You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and today I am sharing one of my favorite interviews of the year, Privates, and there were so many good interviews on the podcast this year. I would say my top five included Colette Pervet, Antonia Crane, the 2023 edition, Ainsley and L'Oreal of Sweet Spot, uh, Nan and Dan of Grey Love, and of course, today's guest. Hello, I am Darshana Avila, erotic wholeness coach, and I am happy to be here with you privates. So Darshana was on Sex, Love, and Goop. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, but you should definitely see it. And she's something of an orgasm whisperer. We had a fascinating conversation about what erotic wholeness even is, how she went on that journey of exploration in her personal life, how she became a sex therapist, how she maintains boundaries with her clients with all that intimacy in the room, and so much more. I promise you are going to love this interview as much as I did. So let's go. So I guess let's start with your identity as an erotic wholeness coach. I've never heard that before. It involves body work and sex coaching. How was this concept born? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's the perks of working in a field where I could call myself whatever I want, basically. <laughs> so, so that's one way to answer it. But I started out, you know, this professional path started as what many would refer to as a somatic sex and intimacy coach. So it's to say that I began looking at all different facets of sex and relationships um, through the lens of the body. That's what the somatic piece is. And as that evolved, both my personal journey with it and then working with clients and students, I started noticing that sex felt like it was an increasingly narrow aspect of what we actually were exploring. And eroticism felt like the more accurate representation of that. And the way that I understand eroticism was that it's basically the same as our life force energy. So that includes our creativity. It includes our sensuality. It includes our emotions. It includes our passions. Sex is in there. Um, it's a hugely important part of it, but it's not the only part. And in our dominant culture, we tend to use those as synonymous, sex and eros. Um, but when you really get into it, there's a lot more dimensionality to our eroticism. And most of us are struggling because we're not aware of that and we're not exploring uh -huh. and embodying that. Hence, erotic wholeness is a path in that direction. <laughs> I love that as a concept. And I'm curious, like, were you this evolved being from the beginning <laughs> or how did your personal experiences kind of lead you to this work? Yeah, I, I assure you that I was not. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just as human as the next person. I was maybe, I think it's fair to say I was very precocious and I'm a born seeker and the sensual and the sexual have been a part of that from a young age. Like I've always been really curious about my body and I'm a deeply tactile person, a very affectionate person, a demonstrative person. So 
compared to some, yeah, maybe I've had a little bit of a different inroads, but the evolution of the work was born out of my personal journey. And like the quickie version of that story is I got married very young. I, I was in a cis het monogamous relationship in my 20s. That was largely what I knew of relating. And at the time, I also found my way into some of my most significant early spiritual awakenings. And that kind of drove a wedge into my marriage, because all of a sudden, I was falling in love with something that my my husband at the time was really not, he was super enthusiastic about me finding something I loved, but he wasn't interested in it for himself. So we ended up separating. I mean, there were other things at play, but that's a significant mm -hmm. piece of it. And I'm concurrently exploring my spirituality and my sexuality in really deep and meaningful ways. And initially those felt super separate from one another. And that did not feel right to me. Um, I inherently knew like there's, there's a way that these ought to, to go together. Like, let's, let's see what's possible. And yoga was my gateway drug to spirituality. <laughs> and that eventually led me to Tantra. Um, I got introduced to, to what is referred to as Neo-Tantra initially. So that's the kind of westernized, heavily sexualized version of things. Uh -huh. But that was just a jumping off point to the more esoteric realms and a whole bunch of seeking, exploring, falling down on my face, getting back up again over many, many years in the wider realm of sexuality, spirituality, embodiment, animism, relationship to nature, intersectional politics that comes into this in a huge way and justice. And like, there's nothing that eroticism doesn't really touch. So mm -hmm. I've been on a big journey gathering up information and inspiration from all sorts of different places and forming a path to my own personal eroticalness and then having the pleasure and the honor of getting to guide a bunch of other people in it too. <laughs> oh, I love that. So I feel like when I hear tantric sex, I'm thinking of Sting. I mean, this is my earliest reference. Yep. <laughs> I'm thinking of Sting and his wife having sex, staring into each other's eyes for like 12 hours. What? <laughs> what's the reality of the neo tantra that you're talking about? Same? Yeah. What you just described is most people's sense of what that is. It's... Uh -huh. um, orgasm and ejaculation control, it's eye gazing, it's it's these like very spiritualized encounters. And look, if that's your thing, and that's what you're into, and that's intriguing to you, I'm not knocking that I'm simply placing that in context that at the origin of Tantra, which is a really in depth, esoteric body of wisdom, there's maybe like a 10th of it, if that, that focuses on sexuality and, and the rest of it is, is a much wider and deeper um, spiritual path that ultimately has to do with how we human. <laughs> so Neo-Tantra, like many things in the West, we get excited about the sensational aspects of it. Sex is sexy, sex sells. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's what has been really both capitalized on and commodified and what many Westerners find their way to, but it actually derives from a much deeper wisdom path that if you were inspired to study classical Tantra, there is many, many a rabbit hole that you could go down that would probably take you an entire lifetime, if not multiple, to really fully immerse in. So really just kind of choose your own adventure with that. <laughs> I'm curious, 
just give me a little taste. What is that? How we human? What does that mm. mean? Like, yeah. what, what? give me a one rabbit hole. <laughs> For me, I'll just speak to my own experience. Yeah. And I'm not positioning myself as a, an expert in anybody else's where this is concerned. Um, for me, the biggest thing that that stayed with me from that part of my experience is to really embrace the totality of life. That Tantra is about getting beyond our notions of separation, beyond yeah. ideas of sacred and profane, good and bad, right and wrong. And it's not that we don't as individuals have preferences for things, but modern human culture has really gone heavy <laughs> on yeah. the separation and the segregation and that this is okay and this is not okay. And Tantra at its essence is saying it exists, so it's okay. Like, or it's not okay, but it still exists and you've got to be with that. So, so it's a way of really showing up for the fullness of life. It's a way of being in a deep communion with whatever word you want to insert here, God, goddess, divine, spirit, source, and seeing how that permeates every aspect of our existence. So that really speaks to me in a very deep way. And it absolutely informs how I teach and how I coach my students and my clients, how I live my life. But I don't necessarily center it in specific tantric teachings, I, I've kind of taken a more secular approach, if you will. Uh -huh. um, and so that's where the somatics comes in. That's where the neuroscience comes in. That's where the trauma healing and the justice work comes in, that all of that is actually in the bedroom with us. So if you want to have a different experience of your sex, that's not going to happen in isolation. And I think that that's where a lot of people end up feeling frustrated. Like if someone's just out there promising you like, here are your 10 steps to the best orgasm of your life, but you're not actually doing the deep inner work to untangle from all the imprints and all the judgments and all the sense of right and wrong around your orgasm to begin with, you're probably not going to have a very satisfying or very sustainable experience. So we got to get down to the root of things. And, and that's what I endeavor to do. Awesome. So I saw you on Sex, Love, and Goop. You did. Explain, just for anybody who hasn't seen a little bit about what you did on that show. And like, is that what your work typically looks like? Yeah. So Sex, Love, and Goop, that was a phenomenal opportunity for the world to get to see that there are really some very creative and, and deep and powerful ways to get to know yourself sexually, to bring a really healthy, vibrant, engaging sexuality and intimacy into partnership. Um, the show featured five different couples, like real life couples and five different experts. I was one of them working with these couples to explore in, in different ways and have that showcased, which was so precious. Camille and Chandra, the couple who I worked with, like getting to know them, getting to support them, their courage to have cameras on them during like really deep and tender and vulnerable and sexy moments like oh my gosh me i, I was just showing up to work like <laughs> they, 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 they were showing up to to share their relationships so that's what the show was about what i did there yes both to, to answer your question is that what my work looks like i would say yes and 
because it depends on how I'm working with people. I do actually host clients for immersions, which is like your very own sex, love and goop experience. So people come and spend several days with me and it's effectively a very highly customized workshop, if you will, like if therapy and a workshop and body work, like all had a baby together, like that's Uh a, a bit of the flavor of what you get in my space. And it's really an intimacy laboratory, a relationship laboratory where you get to have deeply focused, hands-on guidance. I do erotic therapeutic body work in the vein of, or rather I'm, I'm certified sexological body worker. So that's the, the professional background that I bring in addition to being a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is a trauma healing modality that has a hands-on component to it. So there's a lot of, a lot of tools in my toolkit, but beyond the tools, what it's about is providing a really safe, loving, attuned space for people to get into the intricacies of what's going on fundamentally in their intimacy with themselves, right? Because while it makes a ton of sense that most of us are very interested in how we have good intimacy with others, whether that's sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, what have you, none of that, again, like you've got to go to the root, like none of that is going to exist without really getting to know yourself, what you need and want, what does not work for you. What are the blocks? What are the patterns that you've carried forward from your childhood and your formative experiences? So we work across that lens, but then beyond having an immersion, I have some clients who see me on a more ongoing basis for sessions. And then I do a lot of online group programming that's getting into the big, like psychological, spiritual, emotional alongside the embodiment. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I've found the group work to be so powerful for, for two reasons, primarily one, because many of us might look around our lives, our circle of friends, even like our closest intimates and find that we don't actually feel fully comfortable or fully safe to speak truth to a lot of what's going on um, in these aspects of our lives. It's just not socially sanctioned, if you will, you know, where things are taboo or there's not trust there. So to have a community of people where you actually build that trust and there is a lot of permission ends up being a huge factor. Like I, I love it. I'll, I'll have like students, you know, from past programs or classes, like send me pictures of themselves meeting up with someone else from the group. I, I have a oh. couple women who did a journey with me, like went on a trip to Africa together this year. It was just oh. like, it's, it's phenomenal that the bonding that happens. And then the other facet of that is that we learn from one another's experiences. Because one of the questions that people often want to ask in some shape or form is, Am I the only one? Is this normal? We tell ourselves these stories that we're so exceptional. And the reality is a lot of what we're experiencing is being experienced by other people as well. And there's tremendous comfort in knowing that we're not alone. And then there's also a lot of really amazing insight that can happen. Like if if I'm sitting there, you know, having a conversation with you, Courtney, and, and we're talking back and forth about what's going on and you articulate something about your intimate life. And I'm like, Oh yeah, me too. Like we we get to have that experience of validation. Maybe we get to see things through a slightly different lens um, because of the other person's experience. So the group spaces can be incredibly powerful for that. Just like the one-on-one spaces can be incredibly powerful because they're deeply held, customized, tailored to exactly where you are in the moment. So there's different ways that I support people. Yeah. Well, using, um, 
it was a lesbian couple mm-hmm. and I can't remember exactly what they were struggling with at the beginning, but you wound up, it wound up being a very <laughs> orgasmic, <laughs> happy ending. Yeah. So what, yeah. what was their struggle? Well, each of them had their own individual thing going on that was compounding to create some blocks in their partner intimacy. One of them was dealing with, so so Camille was contending with a lot of internalized body image stuff, body shame, not really feeling fully like sexy and attractive and like comfortable to show up. And Chandra had a pretty conservative religious upbringing. So to yeah. be gay inside of that, that does a number. And, and whether or not, you know, you, you are queer or gay or anywhere on that spectrum of identity versus being heterosexual, I work with a lot of people who are unwinding from conservative religious or conservative political and cultural imprinting that has yeah. continued to do a big number on their sex, even if their own ideology has changed. And for Chandra, that showed up as pelvic pain and struggle to receive any kind of penetrative touch. So I worked with them in a lot of different ways. I mean, you got to see, you know, maybe a total of 30 minutes of days worth of experience. So so there was a lot behind the scenes, but what you're referring to, and okay, so spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show, you're going to have to tune in. Episode, I yeah. forget what episodes. It was episodes three, four, and six, I believe, of the series that, that our story plays out in. So if you don't want to hear the end cover your ears for a second. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I did give each of them individually a, what I call a whole body work session. And so whole body work rooted in sexological body work includes your genitals and it centers around your pleasure. So most of us, if we have any conception of our genitals being included in a practitioner led professional session space, it's usually very medicalized, right? And this is not that. It is held with a lot of integrity and a lot of care. But the point here is to actually explore and invite the anatomy of your arousal to understand more about what gives you pleasure and to help open up more capacity for that. And what that practically looked like, here's the spoiler alert, Chandra was able to receive penetrative touch in a really relaxed way and enjoy herself, which previously had been largely unavailable. And Camille found her way through some big moments, very tender moments around how she people pleases and how she tries to shape her outward presentation to be appealing to others instead of honoring her truth and ended up having a very beautifully powerful orgasm in her session. (laughs) And yes, that, that, that is actually part of what I do when I, 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 can I speak frankly and curse? Yes. Okay, great. I never know with audiences. Basically, if I want to be tongue in cheek about it and somebody's like, well, what do you do for work? I will say I stroke pussies for a living because that is hundred (laughs) percent accurate. I'm damn good at it. I am honored to do it. And And that is the kind of, again, that's the sensationalizing of a really deep body of healing work that that people get to immerse in. Hey, privates. Privates with penises. I'm talking to you. (laughs) Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self-pleasure. 
And that is because Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And they don't just leave you hanging over there. At Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you have been listening to the show for a while, you know how I feel about self-pleasure, and it is very, very good. And I definitely endorse using sex toys. I have a lot of fun with sex toys myself. So with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. What? With the variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with a universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. And you have pleasure right in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control. And as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are. Anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And I just want to say, if you have any shame around sex toys, please don't. It is so much better than being weird with girls because you feel kind of desperate or whatever. Fleshlight just allows you to chill out, wait for the right girl when she comes, and in the meantime, you know you are going to be getting yours and having a good time. So you don't even have to sweat it. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE10. So you just go to ppupod.com. That's the website, ppupod.com. You click Fleshlight and you use the promo code PRIVATE10 to get 10% off your delicious new device. Again, that is ppupod.com and enter code PRIVATE10. And it really helps support the show. It helps support yourself and your own sex drive. So go ahead and use the link in the episode description. We can all be horny together. We can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. It's sex work in a way, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So totally. has that always been a part of your practice or how did you get there? Okay. So the real talk is I had a corporate career for the first decade of my like post-collegiate adulting life. No pussies involved? No, no pussies involved. Uh, My own. Um, (laughs) Definitely my own. Occasionally a lover's. But but yeah, this was not something that I necessarily set out to do. And what happened for me personally was I got really clear as like, okay, this corporate life, like thank you so much for giving me a salary to be able to afford my yoga trainings and my spiritual seeking and all of that. And this is not for me. And very naively, um, but sometimes naivety is, is a wonderful way to go. I made a choice to leave, which was a huge leap of faith, thinking I'm going to become a coach. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it would take to grow a coaching business. And anybody who's listening who has done any version of entrepreneurship knows that's a big freaking deal. And I, because I was deeply at that time exploring sacred sexuality and Tantra, I found myself in a community where most of the women were sex workers. And I literally knew nothing about that beyond an early formative imprint of Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. There was so much that I didn't know, so much ignorance and naivety. And I had the benefit of creating a community of peers, of friends who I learned 
so much from around what sex work can be, how powerful, how beautiful, how healing it can be, also how it is deeply stigmatized and there, you know, culturally speaking, particularly in the US, like it's not the safest of industries to work in because we have such a deeply sex negative bias and sex workers are treated as second class citizens, which is just bullshit because they're doing precious, precious work much of the time. There's a difference yeah. between people who choose sex work and are able to do it in as safe a way as possible and those who are being trafficked and coerced. So I want to say that very clearly for anybody who's uh -huh. listening who might feel like, wait, what are you saying here? Like, there's a distinction. Some of us actually choose sex work and we have the, the means, the resources, the access, the privilege to do it in a way that helps us feel really great and safe about it. That is very, very different than people being forced into it. So I want to make that abundantly clear. Yes, I'm a sex worker. I also am a highly privileged sex worker because I do my work in the light of day. I'm a public uh -huh. figure. There's no secret. I'm professionally certified to do the work that I do. So that's a tremendous privilege. And I can sit here and talk about it plain as day without feeling like, uh-oh, is, is somebody going to find out something that I've otherwise been trying to keep secret? But fundamentally, it is sex work and sex work has always existed and it will always exist. And my wish and prayer around that one is that we increasingly make more and more space for the, the beauty and the necessity of this. And I feel like people such as myself hold a particular role in that because we're kind of straddling the divide. You know, like mm -hmm. there are folks who would feel comfortable approaching me and considering being a student of mine or a client of mine that might never dream of the more underground version of sex yeah. work. Great. Okay. I'm happy to be that bridge. And we all get to find, you know, the access point or the on-ramp that actually meets us where we are. And, and that's what matters most. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. It's incredibly powerful in a lot of instances. And sometimes the work, you know, sometimes it seems so sexy that the work piece of sex work <laughs> gets lost in yeah. the shuffle. I'm just curious if you could speak to that a little bit. Like how, how do you make sure you're not like taking home other people's mm -hmm. stuff with you? Well, it, from that standpoint, it's like I work more like a therapist than than a sex worker, you know, because I'm dealing not only with people's bodies, but very much with their hearts and their psyches and their minds and their spirits. So that's heavy stuff sometimes, though, right? It is. It is. And, I, and I'm a trauma therapist. So I work with a lot of people who have complex trauma or significant trauma in their histories as well. So any practitioner in that arena, whether you are fully doing sex work or, or you're fully doing therapy or somewhere in the middle of it all like I am, there is an absolute need for really solid and healthy boundaries for your own self, which is always fundamentally a part of the teaching that we're giving to the students, the clients, the people who, who we're serving. For me in particular, because the vast majority of the folks that I support are women, and they're dealing with the acculturation that we all get where most women are used to people pleasing and used to mm -hmm. placing the, the preferences, the needs, the boundaries of others before their own. Boundary work is a massive piece of what I'm doing with those folks. And one of the best ways that I can provide a transmission around that is to hold my own boundary as well. My energetic hygiene, my, my boundaries around how I run the business and my professionalism around time, like 
all of that, it might not register like in the forefront of somebody's mind as part of what they get to learn and experience when they're engaging with me. But I'm aware that that it has a place too. And, you know, practically speaking, like what it looks like for me is just being really realistic about my schedule, what I can take on, how, how many people I can serve in any given amount of time who I'm best equipped to serve, um, which in the early days of being a practitioner, I pretty much said yes to anybody who was a yes to me because I was naively trying to grow a coaching business from yeah. zero. And that was awesome because it helped me get to the point of discerning who I'm for and who's for me. But that took years. And now I'm pretty 9.9 .9 times out of 10, like I could know within the, the 20, 30 minutes I spend on the phone chatting to someone who might want to come into my orbit. Like I know if we're a fit for one another or not. And I can communicate that in a clear, candid, loving way where nobody has to take offense if we aren't a fit. And that too is a huge transmission. You know, many of us have, for whatever the particulars of our circumstances, whether this applies to your sexuality or any other aspect of life, a lot of us as women and girls without acculturation in particular, although it's not exclusively gendered, but the, the conditioning, the message implicit and explicit is take what you're given and mm -hmm. don't make waves. And that actually is not congruent with really being in your full power and in your full pleasure. And that's very much what I'm here to support people in doing. Mm -hmm. So your pleasure and your power are going to derive from actually being able to communicate your truth in a way that deepens the intimacy that you share with another person instead of puts somebody in the power seat and the other person in a subservient seat. Like we want to just have honesty and candor and transparency. And yet most of us are kind of ill-equipped to actually do that. So that's where someone like me can help. <laughs> yeah. I imagine, you know, if you've been dealing with a lot of trauma around something and then you come in and you, you know, help me achieve some like incredible orgasm like I, there might be a temptation to fall a little bit in love with you <laughs> is that ever a problem um there were a couple instances back in the early days where, <laughs> where, where there was definitely some transference to deal with but no it doesn't doesn't come up as much as okay. you might imagine now and that's because i have really good boundaries both the, the, the ones that are seen, but also the ones that are unseen. I know how to hold space in such a way and communicate in such a way where I am continually reinforcing that even though it's true, I'm part of facilitating the experience that whoever is on my table is having, it's their experience. Right. And, and that's really one of the most important things to understand. We are erotic by nature. The, the potential that I might help you access is not mine, it's yours. So yes. I am showing people more about themselves. I'm helping people to find out about their capacities, about what they really want and, and what's possible for them. And then I'm there to guide them. That's one way to answer your question. And the other way to answer your question is, I legitimately love my clients. So there's a difference between being in love and loving, but I work with people in very intimate ways. We are in a powerful relationship with one another. I have deep affection and care for my clients. And so love is always in the room. How that love is held and how that love is manifest, I have to be very intentional about that. That's my job as the, the person setting and holding the container. And I'm you pretty good at it. You can see that. <laughs> yeah, you are very good at it. And you can see, you know, like in the goop stuff, 
you can see how, you know, it's the other person's experience and there's not that much confusion about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so on the stigma side of sex work, you Mm -hmm. have experienced some of that though, because you've been banned from Instagram and (laughs) perhaps other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, yeah, what your experiences in that realm have been and, that yeah. Instagram shit is so fucked up. It, it is, is so such overreach. Up. How do they fix the moderation? They need humans, right? Yeah, they need humans because I am not the only one and I am continue to be baffled and frustrated. My Instagram account got taken down back in the early summer and I went through the standard process of appealing and I did that about a dozen times. And the reason why I did it a dozen times is because every time... They sent me an email saying, oops, sorry, we made a mistake. You actually don't violate our community standards. We're reinstating your account. And then it would go down again, usually within a matter of hours. And Uh. it's because it's algorithm driven. It's robot driven. I kept on, there's like a little box where you can write a few words. And I'd like, can you please put me in touch with a human? You keep doing this thing and telling me I should be okay. Got nowhere with it. But what it comes down to, you know, in in a broader sense than just me alone, but I'm a great microcosm of the macrocosm. Our dominant culture is concerned with profit (laughs) over people at every turn. And whomever is getting their feathers ruffled by legitimate, qualified, trained professional educators disseminating really solid information and trying to force people like or institutions, institutions like the metaverse, like Facebook, like, uh-huh. like Instagram and so on and so forth to comply, you know, like the, these are the systems of oppression playing out in front of us in real time. This is all of the isms that you want to list the sexism. It also, you know, I happen to be a white woman, but make no mistake. This disproportionately affects people of color. I happen to be cisgendered. It affects trans people more. So I'm speaking from that place of like, I've got a fair amount of privilege and I'm still getting targeted. So be clear that those who have more marginalized identities, they're getting it even worse than I am. And it just shows that there's still so much fear and greed that are driving a lot of the institutions and the power structures that we operate within. And I happen to be rereading Sonia Renee Taylor's book, The Body Is Not an Apology right now, because Mm. I I host a membership and there's a book club in that, and that's the next book that we're reading. And I wanna name and give credit to her as a fat, black, queer, disabled femme who, who has produced this gorgeous body of work. It's like, It all comes down to radical self-love. Like that's her thesis in in, in the book. And that's the piece that's missing. Like we are so fear-driven and have been taught to interpret anything that is different as dangerous. And anything that is dangerous is a threat to us and takes us out of that loving way of being that kind of is our essence. So this is me kind of going very philosophical with it that like, This is like a war on love and self-expression that's playing out here. And if anyone's listening to this and is moved by it, it's like, please do your part then to be an agent of spreading love in a, not a spiritually bypassing kumbaya way, in a, this is not okay way, in a, here is the system of oppression playing itself out in real time. Or be a somebody, if you have more privilege, who is leveraging that to uplift the voices of those who don't have as much. Like, 
because the organizations and the institutions, they're not going to do it for us. They're, they're going to keep no. taking down anything and anyone that goes against like that greed, profit driven, power hungry model. And if we want a different world, like we're going to have to be the ones who bring that into being. So that that's what I can yeah. say about that. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping like a confluence of things, maybe even climate is going to drive us into this mm -hmm. next chapter that's like better Ooh. and like totally. more us driven, but we'll see. May, may it be so. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your membership program and I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you about that. The Erotic yeah. Explorers Collective. Yeah. So Tell privates what that entails. Yeah. So privates, that was my answer back to Instagram taking me down. I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I had poured a lot of life force energy into my Instagram content, like, and it had been, you know, thousands and thousands of followers that I had been engaging with. And I've now decided to put that into a platform that is secure and private and free of censorship. So I have a membership where instead of like, don't get me wrong, I love a good meme parade as much as the next person. But instead of things of that nature, um, the membership actually provides a forum for discourse to happen. And the biggest thing going on there is that I actually lead live sessions I do live coaching. Oh, cool. I do embodiment practices. Like our next embodiment practice is sensual self-massage with tips for massaging another person. It's it guided masturbation, erotic dance, sharing resources, reading and discussing books that, that help to us to expand our horizons. And again, the community factor. Um, so if you want a place where you actually can lean in in meaningful ways, for some people what I've found is like, you need it to be bite-sized and the membership is designed to be bite-sized. That's why social media can be so compelling because we can kind of go and take a little taste of this, a little taste of that. And so instead of something that's like a more robust part of my offering, which some people know that they want that deep dive and other people are like, I'm just dipping a little toe in. The membership uh -huh. is a great place to do that because you can go at your own pace and participate. You know, if, if you want to join a session live, join a session live. If you want to watch the replay, watch the replay. If you want to ask a question, great. If you want to just kind of be a voyeur and read along with other people's stuff, you can do that too. So it's it's got some of the best of what a platform like Instagram was providing, but with a lot more freedom and a lot more depth. Nice. So I mean, your membership sounds amazing, but what's one tip for privates listening for how they could incorporate more erotic wholeness within themselves and their relationships like today with no, yeah. you know, stuff? Okay. It's, it's super easy. When people ask me a question like this, my answer is always the same because it's just the best way to go. I want you to consider first and foremost that you are sensual, that you are a sensuous being you smell, you taste, you see, well, and this is assuming you have all of your faculties, not everybody does, but whatever you've got available to you, your sight, your taste, your touch, your sound, start engaging your senses more. Most of us kind of go through our days, like as if we are robots and, and mm -hmm. just task, 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 productivity, 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 slow down, pause, touch yourself, put your hands on your body and notice the texture go for a walk outside, actually feel sunshine or mist or wind on your skin. When you put a bite of food in your mouth, take time 
to savor the flavors and the taste and roll it around on your tongue and let the textures come in. Slow down and open up to your senses. That is the starting point for any and all of the good things that are going to come from enjoying your sex more to feeling more secure in your relationship because the senses are helping us to be in the present moment, to connect with our body, to actually like be here. And that's where the healing is going to come in. That's where the pleasure is going to come in. So learn how to be here, learn how to be the sensual creature that you are by nature, and then the rest will follow. Yes. That's such a good tip. Okay. My final question, I can't resist. How did you learn to, wait, I thought these were one thing, but maybe not. You were ravaged by the moon. This is separate. Oh, that's a whole different question. I don't know how long you've got, Courtney. That's a bigger story. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dealer or your choice. How you were you going to squirt? You were going to ask me about squirting, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. But I thought maybe the moon made you squirt. I was no, like, whoa. <laughs> no, Actually, those were two separate experiences. Um <laughs> The squirting thing is a story I really like to tell because a yes. lot of people come to me and they're like, I don't know how to squirt or I'm afraid of squirting or I don't think I can squirt. And it's like, let's just demystify this. Females are capable of ejaculation. We we have a lovely little spongy tissue called the urethral sponge that fills with fluid. And when it's stimulated, it releases that fluid. Different bodies will do that in different ways. For some of us, it will be like a fountain. Others, it'll be like a little puddle, a little gush. Here's the thing. My personal journey was this. I was way back in the day, casually dating this very beautiful man who was like, I'm going to make you squirt. And I'm like, no, you're not. What what do you think Uh you know about my body that I don't know? Like it was a total like laying down of the gauntlet and he's cocky and I'm cocky. And I'm like, what? No, you're not. I swear it was not even five minutes later that I'm standing in a puddle of my own juices. And it was like, whoa, what happened here? (laughs) So what happened is that he had the technique that many have of doing a very friction heavy, intense, pressure driven, like finger fucking. And don't get me wrong. I love a good finger fucking, truly. And for some people, that is just way, 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 way too intense. And so what happened after that encounter with him was me being the the very like strong, independent woman that I am, like, I'm going to figure out how to do this for myself because I don't want somebody doing something to my body that I can't make happen. And here's what I found. And this continues to be true 15 years later or whatever it was that, you know, between then that story happening and now. When I finger myself to squirting or I use a toy that can stimulate my sponge, it's actually more of that like come hither motion. Our urethral sponge, often referred to as the G-spot, but I really don't like calling our body parts random names that are ascribed to some white medical dude way back when. So urethral sponge, wordy as it is. When we stroke that, which is the ridged tissue that is just inside the vaginal opening right on the top wall. It's not deep. It's generally very close to the front. And a lot of people go right past it and they don't even realize what's going on. So you want that ridged tissue when you go and you further can feel back. It. You can you can feel it. Yeah. 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 Because when you go further back, the tissue starts to smooth out. If you mm-hmm. come a little closer toward the entrance to the vagina on the upper wall, you're going to feel that little bit of ridge tissue, almost think like walnut bridges, you know, how it's mm-hmm. got that kind of brain-like texture. So Fingers, you know, pads of your finger, I usually use index and or middle finger rubbing against that sponge 
at whatever pressure and speed actually does it for you are going to be the pathway there. I have found in self-stimulating that I actually don't need all the heavy friction and that big finger fucking energy. A gentler touch and really relaxing my body helps me to get there. The other thing that a lot of people come up against is this sense of, am I peeing? I think I have to pee. I feel like I have to pee. Is it pee? Here's what I suggest. Go to the bathroom before you begin this exploration yes. so that you can relax and have a clear sense that your bladder is empty. And make sure you've got a great little waterproof cover on your bed, on your couch, on your floor, wherever you are for easy cleanup. Like don't ruin your mattress. Don't ruin your sofa. Um, there are all sorts of great products out there that you can get. And some of them are really freaking cute. Lay that down on the bed, go to town, use some lube or a lot of lube, and it can be your fingers. You could use my favorite toy, like one of my most favorite sex toys is the Enjoy Pure Wand. I am not affiliated with them. I, they probably should sponsor me though, because I talk about this <laughs> toy all the time. That's a great one that can do some really lovely um, stimulation of the urethral sponge. And it's just about finding a pressure and a cadence that actually works for you. And then when you get that sense that maybe I'm about to pee, it's a little bit of bear down energy that some people need mm -hmm. to engage there. And, and you're, you're actually, you are letting go, right? This is a release of fluid from your body. So if it's something that you have apprehension about, if you feel nervous, if you feel self-conscious, I really want to invite you into the, like, the mantra of it's okay to let go it's okay to let go. It's okay to let go. And then see what happens. For some people, it can feel very orgasmic. It is not actually the same physiological experience as an orgasm, but it is a form of release. It is a form of building pressure and then having reaching a climax and coming down the other side of that. Um, sometimes people orgasm at the same time that they squirt. Mm -hmm. Each body is unique. But if that's something that you want to explore for yourself and, and kind of check out like what are your what's your possibilities and what's your pleasure, I highly encourage you to do it. And like I said, my story was someone did it to me and I just wanted to know if I could do it myself. And now I have options because I can still do it for myself when I want to. Just did it the other night, actually. It was great. Um, nice. And I love when my lovers do it for me, too. So why why limit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yeah. I have done it a handful of times to myself and it's Yay! Uh, pretty incredible. We love a squirting lesson on this podcast. So that's a great awesome. place to end. Fantastic. And next time you come back, you can tell us about the time you were ravaged by the moon. <laughs> I would love to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been awesome. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks again to Darshana. What a freaking pleasure. I cannot wait to have her back. And that rounds out 2023 on Private Parts Unknown. Oh my gosh, we had such a great year. And I have some really fun plans in store for 2024. So thank you for tuning into this episode of Private Parts Unknown. And stay tuned right here because I have got another sexy episode coming your way next week and the week after that and the week after that. So for the latest episodes, look down and make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast player now. To stay in touch between episodes, follow me at Courtney Kosak, that is K-O-C-A-K, -K, on Instagram and Twitter. 
and follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And I am always and forever trying to hit the top 1% on OnlyFans. And it is a very fun and horny way to support the show. So if you are interested in a Playboy style peek behind the podcast, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans account at OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. Again, OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. And I have some brand new body paint pics by Rustan up on my OnlyFans. So enjoy. Of course, subscribe to our newsletter at privatepartsunknown.substack.com. The link is in the episode description. And subscribe to the Private Parts Unknown YouTube channel for the video version of a bunch of episodes. It's youtube.com slash privatepartsunknown. Again, youtube.com slash privatepartsunknown. And I have got a bunch of recent episodes that I will be putting up shortly. And check out my other podcasts for more of my audio creations. I have The Bleeders about book writing and publishing and Podcast Bestie, a best friend to podcasters trying to grow and monetize their shows. And shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by my beloved audio guy, Michael Castaneda of Plastic Audio. And after enjoying this content, could we ask you for a quick favor? Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review. And oh my gosh, I got a recent review on Apple Podcasts that I really want to share with y'all. It's from Fancy1974, who says, Loving your podcast. I was expecting more about sex, LOL, which was what pulled me in. But I'm so glad to be here for all the many parts of life and relationships that you're highlighting. Keep it up. You're doing a great job. Sincerely, the bored but so busy housekeeper. Ah, amazing. Thank you so much, you fancy housekeeper. <laughs> I love your review. And yeah, that's what this show is about. It's about all the parts, all the different parts of sex and love and life that, you know, are sometimes taboo or we don't talk about enough and they definitely deserve a forum. And I would love a review from you, Private. That would be an amazing Christmas end of year present. You can just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give us a five-star rating and review. We are also trying to get our ratings up on Apple Podcasts. We are at 278 for ratings and we're trying to get to 300. And on Spotify, you guys have recently spoiled us. We had a goal to get to 130 and we got to 132. I would love to get to 135. So if you are listening on Spotify, if you could just go to the upper left-hand corner of our page, click the star button and then click all five stars. That would be amazing. And again, you can rate and review the podcast no matter where you're listening by going to ratethispodcast.com slash private and leaving a five-star rating and review. And hey, there's one more way you can support the show. We are now on the Fountain app. So if you are listening on Fountain or another V4V platform and you get value from this show, you can support us by sending a boostagram. And you can even send a comment along with your boost. And I have to say, those are my favorite messages to get because they come with money. And I just want to shout out TN Stacker, who recently boosted 100 sats. 
saying, I remember the lusty lady workers organizing decades ago, thought it would be a movement, probably would have been, except for the internet. And that is in response to the recent best of episode about Star Garden. So there are still some unionizing strippers. There's a recent case, but yes, I I hear you, TN Stacker. And thank you so much for the boost. And thank you so much for sticking with me until the end. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring. Love you, privates.